Thank you for listening in on our podcast in the series, Intergenerational Conversations on Climate. The podcast brings together voices from high school students and senior citizens from around New Brunswick to discuss their concerns about climate change in our province. The project is the product of Voices for Sustainable Environments and Communities as part of your province's Environmental Trust Fund at Work. Today we're in Gagetown with several conversations exploring concerns and hopes represented by senior citizens and high school students. Climate crises appear in global and national news with increasing frequency and desperation. Voices of concern can be heard every day. Voices of hope are less common. How do our friends and neighbors think about the new climate? Let's find out. Today we have John and Johnny willing to share their thoughts. I'm Bruce Langus. I'll be the facilitator. Good day to you, too. What I will do is um, uh, I will re- have several questions here to read to the two of you. And uh, we start off with the first question. Um, I'll ask each uh, individual. They will then give the answer of um, that suits them. And uh, this can be as, uh, as long as you wish to cover your your feelings, your, um, uh, your attitudes, your concerns about that question. And then the other person will have a, um, uh, a chance to answer also. And then we will discuss um, the two answers and the question and see what was left out. What was, uh, are, there some, uh, are there some conflicts here? Do you agree or not agree? agree? And then we'll move on to the second question. All right, for Johnny, first question is, how familiar are you with our changing climate? I feel like I'm quite familiar with it. Maybe not the reasons why it's changing or the specifics about it, but sort of the reality. It's almost inescapable everywhere you look. You always hear about it. Very good. John, the same question. How familiar are you with our changing climate? Well, I wouldn't say familiar, but uh, I feel the effects of the uh, global warming. Uh, we've seen forest fires. We've seen days where it's hard to breathe, and it's uh, it's all around us. And I don't understand why some are so uh, against saying that we're facing global warming. They seem to think it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Most uh, the effects that you're talking about are mostly um, uh, local, or are they national or global? Or well, I would say they're global. Yeah. Because uh, was it this morning on the news? They're talking about a big fire in France because of global warming. Mm-hmm. Johnny, how are you? Uh, what do you find most troubling, the local effects or the global effects? I would find the global effects just where we're we are more like in the northern hemisphere. So the worst that we see are more warmer winters rather than the extreme heat waves in the summer. Yes, we have them, but they're just not 
as bad as say somewhere tropical. Gotcha. Gotcha. Next question. We'll start out with Johnny this time. Where do you get your climate information? Um, mostly from school. I would try to stay away from like the media or anything because I feel like it can often be skewed or written just for a better headline than rather the truth. So I would just try to mostly get it from people who rather know what they're talking about. Gotcha. John, where do you get your climate information? Well, most of it is uh, from the internet, but I get a lot of it from the news itself. And uh, I remember, uh, what was his name? He was running for president of the United States. And he, he lost, but he had a big uh, breakdown of global warming and what it, uh, what it, what was happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name, though. Do you? Um, uh, either uh, I can't quite think. Al Gore. Al Gore. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Ah, yes, a, a name out of the distant past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And uh, a question uh, that goes with that of where do you get information, who do you trust about climate facts? And I'm, wor- uh, I'm interested in the, the big noisemakers, the, um, uh, the TV uh, news readers or uh, political servants or um, uh, business leaders. Who do you trust most? Uh, I trust most uh, from the internet articles that I've read. I don't believe that our uh, government or any government is uh, doing all that they can because they they claim that uh, the economy can't take it. But global warming is our last chance, economy or not. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Johnny. Um, who do you trust about, uh, about climate facts? I find it interesting. I almost have the opposite perspective. I would trust more so the government and their publications because they seem to be like the leading researchers rather than the internet because anybody can write something and post it on the internet. Mm-hmm. In terms of government, uh, they certainly do have researchers and uh, research publications. Do those publications influence the uh, politicians who are running the government? That's where I feel like no. And there might be a disconnect between the researchers and the politicians who try to say the right thing, to try to sway votes or to get the popular opinion, rather than necessarily the truth. So I wouldn't trust a politician, but maybe the government as a whole. Maybe government entities instead of a politician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what you said, John? Pretty well, yes. Uh, I mentioned uh, Al Gore, his views, but then if you look at the last president the United States had, it was totally opposite that the science didn't exist or anything like that. So. And what's the answer to that? How can we get our our politicians to pay attention to, for instance, climate crises? We just got to keep, uh, keep at them, steady. Write them letters. Uh, show them the proof. 
listen to the uh, science. Johnny? I feel like we almost need to remove the responsibility from politicians. I don't know how you would go about that, but um, it seems like they're already focused on so many other things that this is the last thing they need to focus on. There's already a ton of issues in the country, like nationally or even internationally. But then the climate crisis is going to be a big one and it needs to be done right rather than the popular way. Good answer. Um, either with um, uh, your own initiative or through classes, have you ever written a letter or an email to uh, either your um, uh, your MLA or your member of parliament? No, I haven't. Okay, okay. Um, maybe you should learn things like that in uh, in school. Absolutely, that might be a good idea. And. Um... Well, I've uh, filled out uh, uh, surveys from the government and uh, putting uh, all my points on this global warming problem. Good, good. Um, for you, John, is Canada moving fast enough to restrain future climate crises? I don't believe so. No, I think we should be a lot quicker to find results and uh, clear the problem. But it's not just Canada, it's worldwide. So you can't just ask one country to do it. It's got to be global. Johnny, what do you think about that? Is, is Canada moving fast enough? I feel like we are moving quickly, but not necessarily in the right direction or doing the right things. But in terms of acting to make policies, I think that we are moving very fast, especially compared to other countries, maybe our southern neighbor. We seem to be light years ahead, but maybe the direction that we're going isn't the best one. But I believe that we are moving quickly. Okay, okay. I, uh, um, this is kind of the crux of the matter that we're talking about today. Who has more at stake in our changing climate Teens or adults? I feel as in more at stake, it would be adults because they're more established in their lives. They would be the homeowners. They have more going on for them in the moment. But on the flip side of that, it is like my future going forward, which doesn't exist yet, of course, but that's also what's at stake. But I still think adults have more at stake going for them because they're the business owners, the employers, everything like that. Well, I I think the youth have uh, more concerns. It will affect them more because I'm uh, 72 years old. I won't be here that much longer. <laughs> so it'll be their problem, the young. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that, Johnny? I think that's true as well, yes. But I also think that a lot of the onus gets pushed on to the young people, and it's, oh, the young people will fix it. I can't fix it. It's too late for me, but someone else will. But maybe that's not the best way of thinking about things. Right. Oh, it's true what you say, John. But we caused it, I know. But like I said, I, I'll do my part, but it won't last very long. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. John, what are some things that you personally can do to fight climate change? Well, I, just simple things is that, uh, well, I recycle, stuff like that. 
I uh, try not to uh, let my car run for nothing. And uh, I don't, uh, well, I, I mean, Duke Brunswick, I was going to say I don't take long, long trips, but <laughs> it was quite a trip. But I don't do it often. Um, I try to do the best that I can, but living in a rural area, there's only so many things that you can do. Like, for example, I would wish that I could take a bike or public transit to work or school, but I live too far to be able to do that. However, I do drive a very small vehicle instead of like a large SUV or anything. And I try my best to not take long showers and to turn the lights off if I'm not in a room and I do try to recycle, but recycling isn't offered in this area. So, but I still just do try to do what I can and shopping local and thrifting for clothes instead of buying new and just small things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you um, uh, ha- compost your uh, your food waste, John? Well, in my town, they they pick it up and they uh, they take care of it. They recompost it and then they uh, they sell it back to us <laughs> as fertilizer. <laughs> yes, yes. John, do you um, uh, do you compost um, your um, uh, your food wastes at home? Yes, we do, and we also have uh, chickens, so a lot of our waste gets fed to them as well. Just the leftover scrap vegetables, anything like that. Very good, very good. That's uh, yeah. Very forward thinking. And another question to you, Johnny. If your grandparents, who I'm sure are quite rich, by the way, um, if your grandparents agreed to fund all of your expenses for two years to become a green caped crusader, what project would you tackle first? And this can be either local or international. I feel like I would want to help my community first because they're the people that I see every day. And I would really want to encourage things like solar panels or geothermal energy in their homes. And I think that I would want to use that to become better educated in those areas. So education would be a a big, uh, a big focus. Good, good. John, I hear your grandkids are quite rich. If they agreed to fund all of your expenses for two years to become a green Cape Crusader, what project would you tackle first? I would uh, work on uh, solar energy, and uh, I would invest in research for a battery that you can charge in five minutes, Uh, a battery that could uh, incorporate energy from lightning, like a bit, we could have a big storage of electricity that then wouldn't cost, well, it would cost something but to, for the research in that, but it would sustain us a lot better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Last question. Is the climate crisis the threat we should be most concerned about today? I think that it is. I think that it's we're at the turning point where we can still fix many of the problems that are yet to come. But if we don't act now, it's only going to get worse. And it affects all of humanity, not just one people group. So that it should be the forefront of 
like the most spoken about issue. John, do you agree with that? Well, I agree. Absolutely. It is because if you destroy the earth, there's nothing left. Mm -hmm. So what should we do to get people interested in this? Well, I heard that the United Nations are going to form a world government. And if we could get them to make it uh, a, priority. a priority for everybody to take part of it and, and cure it that way. How does that sound to you, Johnny? It sounds interesting. Like, I'm quite skeptical of politicians, but I feel like <laughs> something like that could work. Where does um, uh, the, uh, the whole issue of, of climate crises, where does it start to get, uh, to get something done? Does it start in Ottawa? Does it start with the UN? Does it start with Fredericton, or does it start in uh, Gagetown? I think that it's going to start probably with Ottawa, but I think that it's going to take a very severe crisis or event to occur to drive the change that's needed, because we often have great hindsight, but we don't see the best going forwards, so that we're going to have some sort of significant world event that then will unite people to drive us forward. Oh, that's that's very interesting, Johnny. And uh, I agree with you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'll be uh, some great catastrophe that'll do the trick. Hmm. Kind of a kind of a grisly thing to hope for, but you might be <laughs> It is. I'd be right. Maybe it's a it's a, a catastrophe that's uh, that's just uh, avoided at the last minute mm -hmm. so that Millions of people don't have to die. All right. Well, thank you both for your uh, for your wisdom and your uh, and your ideas. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Um, so I want to thank our participants, John and Johnny. I also want to thank Cameron Davidson for uh, recording the lesson, the session, and producing today's podcast. Thank you all for listening in.